from two places as we continue in our Fruit of the Spirit series. Today is about kindness. Two scriptures. The first is Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 7. The second is Mark 5. From Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 7. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in in Christ Jesus. That's from Ephesians 2. And now from Mark 5, a story about Jesus. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake. A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, he came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my daughter is dying, my little daughter, she's dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she'll be healed and she'll live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed, pressed around him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd. He said, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, the disciples answered. And yet you asked who touched me, but Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth, the whole story. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Uh, Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for these beautiful texts. God, um, place us into these stories and make the old story new again. Lord, we wanna learn about how how kindness was manifested to all of us in our own brokenness and our bleeding and our wrath and our suffering. And God, we wanna be moved as people of compassion and mercy and kindness that we might... um, feel the grace that you have for us, the kindness, and be able to live in such a way that kindness is exuded through our actions. For your glory, God, may this series move your people closer to experiencing your truth. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So today, uh, uh, Fruit of the Spirit, uh, kindness. Your, Your sermon title today, let's call it kindness. Like we're just kind of week by week, we're just, we're going through this. We're, 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 we're heading into the Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit. Today we land on kindness. I'll tell you a story as we get started. For me, in my development, I didn't come to be a Jesus follower to essentially when my was 18 years old, a month before my 18th birthday. And for me, kindness, acts of kindness was part of a, a key identity struggle. A key identity, you know, um, crisis for me when I was a uh, beginning of high school. So as a freshman in high school, when I lost the freshman class president election 
to a young man named Nick Herring. Now, I've lost touch with Nick. I don't know where he's at, but he beat me my freshman year. I was running for president of the freshman class of Capitol High School. This is 1989, 1990, something like that. Nick Herring beat me. And what I realized then was that um, I had been searching for some sort of acknowledgement in, in popularity that people around me would see me as good. Right around that time, this kind of sent me in a bit of a spiral like, ugh, people don't, they didn't want to vote for me. You know, and your platform when you're 15 is like basically popularity. And my mentor, uh, the man who would mentor me in the love of Jesus, told me another story right around then. He said, Scott, there's this other guy who I'm mentoring and he's, he's not like you. He's not one of the, you know, the kids trying to be cool. He's not running for class president. And he said, you're not very kind. You're not a good person. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I don't even know this guy. The kid's name was Josh. And Randy said, yeah, he was, uh, I guess he was hanging out after school where all the kids who smoke kind of hang out. And you had passed through with some of your buddies and you made a degrading comment to him because he was smoking a cigarette. I didn't even know him. My buddy Randy was telling me, man, Josh hates you because you were unkind. And the spiral began because I had been trying to, 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 to figure out my life that you know, people would like me. But what I realized were my actions and my attempt to be cool or popular weren't good. They weren't kind. And as Jesus said, by the fruit, you'll know the tree. And so people were kind of looking at me and saying, this isn't the kind of person that we want to we wanna follow. So my mentor challenged me. He said, Scott, you need to change the way that you treat people around you. You need to be kind. I said, what do I do? I mean, I was really, really broken. Really, it was a really challenging year for me. He said, every day you need to be kind to one person who you don't know. You need to literally walk through the halls and find just one person you can be kind to. It was like a 1990 kindness challenge before it was a thing. And I, and I was like, Ranch, there's no way. There's 1,409 students at Capitol High School. What difference is it going to make if I talk to one person a day? That doesn't make any sense. He said, just trust me. You can, you can change the way that you interact with the world one person at a time. And so this kindness experiment began for me as I was kind of wrestling my way. Now, I was also trying to discern who God was. And that search for Jesus would take several years to manifest. I want to be really clear. My kindness experiment and my search for Jesus were two very different things, but they were kind of running in parallel tracks in this identity search for me because I was considering the claims of Christ and considering what Jesus had in store for me. Different processes, but very similar. We'll come back to it because kindness is an opportunity for us to exhibit to the world the values that we claim to live by. Now, last week I talked about patience and patience is expressed in difficult settings. Kindness is different. Kindness is expressed in moments of grace and mercy and goodness. It's not, it's not like when the absence of kindness is present that it's most necessary like we spoke about with patience. No, it's like, you know, in, in how I'm actually living out this value that people will see kindness coming through me. It says we reflect on who Jesus has been to us and we can 
We can reflect on what kindness God has had for us. And that's where we continue in this series that we're not just trying to do the things. Oh, I'll be kind this week. I was patient last week. I was trying to be peaceful the week before that. No, it's about pursuing Christ. And we pursue Christ because he first pursued us. It's all a response to revelation. And so when we consider the kindness that God's had for us, then that starts to change us. It leads us into repentance. And ultimately, if we can receive the kindness of the Lord, we'll have something to give back to the world. Because we can't just like, oh, I'll be kind. I'll try hard. No, we'll just, we'll, we'll end up bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, emotionally. Like that won't work. This isn't just about us trying to be fruitful, good people. No, it's us tapping into that life source of who is in Christ, that that would come alive in us and spill out of us. As Jesus would say, out of the overflow of a heart, a mouth speaks, a, a, a hands move, our feet walk. Like some of us are action oriented. And so we can get very tired just trying to be the perfect person of Christ. Only action that, that, that can really be sustainable is in response to who God is. And that you would experience that and that, that would that would come to, to bear in your life. That's the why of this series, that we wouldn't be fruit obsessed. No, we'd be Christ focused. That's, that's the why. Not obsessed with the fruit, but just hungering for more of Jesus in his life, in, in our lives. That, that's, that's the point. And so today we'll talk about kindness, about loving others enough to put their needs above our own needs. Jesus would say, and Luke, the meek, or I'll translate it, the kind, will inherit the earth. That means something. Jesus was the preeminent model of kindness and compassion to all, but he was never willing to let kindness be a substitute for truth-telling or justice or healing. Kindness doesn't mean being victimized. It means leading with love. The opposite of kindness is, is to be a hindrance, to be a hurdle, to be interfering to be an obstacle, but kindness lets the goodness of the spirit of God come to bear in your life. Kindness is how we live out what Christ's love looks like for us. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. First Corinthians 13, been at most weddings you've attended pre-pandemic over the last 20 years. What? Love is patient. Love is kind. And so our big idea today that the kindness of the Lord when manifested and flourishing in the lives of Jesus followers, when it will increase in us a capacity to love God and love others, that we might become a kindness culture makers, kindness culture makers as a marker of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. We don't want to just be kind because everyone in Seattle says to be kind. Now we want to be kind because the Lord of the universe changed our lives and because we've experienced his kindness, we're called to be kindness culture makers all around us, that people would see Jesus through our kindness. So let's dive into this. The first thing I want to kind of build out for you is that kindness is a scriptural quality displaying the practical, tangible, actual love of God. Kindness in the New Testament is this Greek word, this Greek word, krestastes, which is, means to be morally excellent, to be gentle, to be good. It's a, it's a call to be living into the fullness of God. Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, which we are, holy in love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. 
This is who God is. God, the scriptures say, is full of loving kindness. Loving kindness. The, 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 the Old Testament used this word hased, or some pronounce chesed. They're loving kindness, which means the covenant loyalty of God, the faithfulness, unfailing love, mercy, good favor of God himself. This is the character of God, loving kindness. It's a word we don't use anymore. And I say, let's bring it back. Let's bring back loving kindness because I know it sounds old school, but what a wonderful word, the loving kindness. It was one word in Hesed in Hebrew. We have to use two to get the same quality of it. But you know, what a, what a pursuit that God's loving kindness, I would both experience and then come to bear in my own life. That people would see God's faith in me, that I love other people with a loving kindness. This is Nehemiah 9, 17. God, you're a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Kased, said, you did not forsake your people, God. Psalm 117, for his loving kindness is great towards us and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Psalm 63, your loving kindness is better than life, God. My lips will praise you. We translate loving kindness sometimes as as mercy, sometimes as love, but it means to, to act in such a way that you're living out your values. So for God, the value of his great love, his ascent, is manifest through loving kindness. And the attributes of the Lord are meant to be embodied by us, the people of God. The love of God, we're meant to not just think about it, we're meant to experience it, friends, meant to tap into it. And then each of these fruits of the Spirit, but this one, especially kindness, like we're meant to display this, not as a guilt trip, not as trying to be worldly, not, no, no. We're meant to because we've been forgiven much. We are tapped into this life source of who God is. We're meant to reflect that like a mirror reflecting the sun. Love, the love of God that came to life in us. We're meant to put that love in display in our actions. I'll ask in person this Sunday, I want to ask kids like, kids, who is kind in your life? I can't wait to hear their answers. But if you ask a child about kindness, they're going to talk about things that feel kind to them. A neighbor that shared a popsicle, a teacher that taught them a special thing, a youth worker that took them on a hike or spent time with them. See, with a kid, they know you can't can't just think about being kind. No, it shows up in how they're treated. So kindness in this way, in many ways, it's almost become like a secular value. Kindness matters. You see it on bumper stickers and whatever else. But, but real kindness, this is a gospel value. This is a value the church is meant to embody and kind of bring to bear. The Christians should be the kind ones. And there's all sorts of scriptural examples of people who exhibited incredible kindness Kindness, in many ways, is, is heroic. You're acting in such a way, you're putting other needs above yourself. And you can think historically of, you know, oh, you know, Mother Teresa, Abraham Lincoln, Oscar Schindler, these people who kind of bravely did kind acts to, to live a life contrary to their own needs, to care for other people. That's what kindness does. It moves you to bravery. I was reading this week about this guy, Harold Lowe, who was a fifth officer on the Titanic. 
And it's said about Harold Lowe that he captained the only lifeboat that returned to the wreck of the Titanic. Most of the lifeboats kept at a distance. They were worried about being, you know, kind of overwhelmed and flooded by people who were struggling in the water. Not this guy, Harold Lowe. No, despite fearing that he and his boat would be swamped by desperate people, he, he returned to the scene where people were sinking. I mean, in hindsight, all the boats could have returned because what they learned later and kind of thinking through what happened to the Titanic, the water was so cold that hypothermia had kind of set in immediately. But real kindness is brave like that. It says, I'm gonna put the needs of others above my own. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be present. I'm gonna be caring. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love with my outside actions. That's the kindness and the gentleness of the spirit that will make us heroic. And I don't use that word lightly. Like we need heroic kindness in this season, one to another as a church, in our families, with our roommates. We've made it, we've made, you know, strides in other ways this year as a church. Have we become more kind? I don't know. That's a great question. Maybe in the year ahead, the Lord will challenge us as a community to be bravely kind with people around us. Second thing I, I want to talk about there is, is kind actions reveal our character, a kind character. Actions reveal character. So kind actions reveal kind character. And this is how we learn about the character of God, through kindness. Luke six forty four, Jesus said, each tree is known by its own fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. So the character of God who's modeled by Christ, Christ was kindness incarnate. Like that was literally what Titus 3.3 says. At one time, we were all foolish and disobedient and we were deceived. We were enslaved. We lived in malice and envy. But when the kindness of God appeared in Christ Jesus, bam, we were saved. Who was Jesus? The kind one. He, He was the loving one, the mercy one, his character on display. As Jesus would say in Luke 6, 27, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray to those who abuse you. In other words, be kind. That was the scripture from Mark 5 that I just read you. Jesus with a woman who is bleeding. This story, man, Mark 5, read it this week. Put yourself in the story. Every bit of it has something to teach us about the kindness of the Lord. Jairus, the synagogue leader, he's so hungry for Jesus to change his family. He says, Jesus, if you can touch her, then she'll be changed. And Jesus was interruptible. He was heading to Jairus's home with the woman who was bleeding. Like she makes her way through the crowd and she believes if you'll just touch, if, if she can just touch his cloak. Jesus says, who touched me? She said, I touched you. Kindness, it's gonna cost something. We're gonna have to be interruptible. And, and it's often embodied in a touch. It's often embodied in Jesus' ministry and him crossing social divides and, and touching, you know, being touched by others, touching people that were blind, touching the little girl, Jairus's daughter, later in the story, touching her, bringing her back to life. See, for Jesus, he didn't just sit in a cave thinking kind thoughts for the world. He was interacting with people. And in his kindness, he was changing their lives. That story from Mark 5 just wrecks me. He says in Mark 5, 34, daughter, your faith has healed you. You're free from suffering. And when he does that, 
Jesus breaks every social moray, dealing with this woman from the margins, dealing with a woman who would have been, you know, all sorts of broken in the eyes of society because she was unclean and bleeding. And then he adopts her into his family. He calls her daughter. That word wrecks me because it, it forces me to recognize my own callousness at times. See, as a parent, I'll tell you, I will do things for my kids that I'll never do for people outside of my family. Man, I, I will sacrifice, I will give, I will be present. I will put my own agenda aside. I, I don't do it perfectly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying though, when, you know, within my own family, there's a level of kindness that I don't exhibit to the person on the street, to the person outside my family. Don't even get me started about changing diapers, whatever. Like, oh yeah, you know, if parents will tell you, if it's disgusting, we've done it because you have to. And Jesus models here with this woman. He says, you're in my family now. That's the kindness of God that he takes us, the bleeding ones, the broken ones, the sinful ones. And he says, you are good. I'm gonna touch you. I'm gonna restore you. I'm gonna heal you. And from that place of restoration, you're not just somebody I'm gonna try to be kind to. You're in my family. That should change us. We should, we should wrestle with that because anyone then we're interacting with, we should have that same desire of, widening the circles of our kindness, culture-making, you know, actions. And Jesus is going to just be touching people and saying, you're my family now. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to take that same brave, tangible steps of obedience, trying to love people well. It's incredible. Jesus' kindness changed the woman's life. And there's so many people that are, are bravely loving here at Bethany. Uh, people that are, are doing tangible, actual acts of service and kindness in order to make an impact in the world. I, I, I think, and I'm inspired by that. Kindness is, is when we allow others to, to interrupt us. To, to care for them above our own, maybe sense of priority or our schedules or how we spend our money or our time, certainly. I, I just want to ask you that, church. Like, will, will you be kind this week when something interrupts you? A child, a traffic jam, somebody on the phone, somebody, I mean, I can keep going. When you're interrupted, will you be kind like Jesus was? Will you believe that interruptions are a place for God to intervene and not just a distraction? Kindness will cost us something, our time and our money. Kindness is, it's costly, but it's necessary. And as I was just mentioning, there's, there's a wave of people in our church that are doing that. There's a group called the Community Breakfast on Aurora that every Tuesday in an act of kindness are serving breakfast to methadone patients and people in need on Aurora. Maybe God wants you to be interrupted and help serve breakfast this summer. Email us, find out more. Or uh, I think of our belong ministry. I think of people that just from Bethany North uh, just went and volunteered with differently abled people there in Oregon. And this ministry is growing at Bethany that in the city of Seattle, we would care for people with disabilities. 
called belong ministry. Maybe God wants to interrupt you and that you might be kind with you know, getting involved with something we're doing there. Email us, find out more. I think of our ministry, racial justice and reconciliation. I mean, that justice seeking group of people that those activities are born out of a desire to, to ultimately see the kindness of God extended to all people in our city. And that's a brave group of people, bravely loving others. Consider joining them. Consider finding out what's up next. Like email us and find out more. There's so many people. I think of Mourinho Carranza and Ken Barron and Sarah Hayden and Nicole Hood and Hillary Boyce and Esteban and Asia Guerrero. And I could go on and on and on. People that are, are being kind with what God puts in front of them. Finally, I want to say this thing about kindness and how it leads to transformation. Because that's really what kindness is meant to do. Kindness isn't meant to just make us good people. It's meant to change the world with the radical love of God. That's what Paul said in Romans 2.4. Paul says, do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? The Greek word here is Christostase, a bit different, but Paul's challenging the people in the church of Rome saying that kindness is meant to be more than just for itself. It's meant to allow people to experience radical life change. Think back to what I read at the front end, Ephesians 2, 7. In order that in the coming ages, Christ would show the riches of his grace expressed in his kindness. Kindness has to be cultivated like a fruit, church that we would enter into almost like a kindness in training program, that we would be kindness interns in our discipleship journeys, that we would seek to model God's kindness for us in the lives of people we interact with. I, I, don't, I don't know why we often fail at kindness. I think at times it's our busyness. I think at times we're distracted by our devices. I think at times it's ego protection. You know, certainly for me, at times, it's stress that keeps me from being kind. Like, could I, just, could I just, with curiosity, have you reflect on that? Like, what distracts you from being kind when you're interrupted or when you're seeing a person in need? Because the teaching that I want to give you is that when Christ is seen through you, through your kind actions and disposition, that the world around you will get curious for what God has done in your life. Kindness is more than just like, hey, we're trying really hard to be kind to people. No, we're trying to have people see Christ in us because we've experienced his great kindness for us. And when you experience it, we're called to turn and be kind to other people. It's the faith is never meant to be just for us alone. We're meant to experience the radical love of God and then love others that we would be part of the movement of God. It's incredible. Because if you're like me, a lot of days I feel not very kind. I mean, I would, like every week I could just tell you a story about how I preached on a fruit of the spirit last week and then totally blew it, like within 24 hours. I'm not even gonna tell that story. Just know it exists. If I see you in this week around town, just be like, so how did you blow it last week, right? I mean, that's the reality. Like we're imperfect beings. And here's the mystery. God's still kind to us. The kindness of the Lord, the loving kindness, the hased, the Christostas, it never stops for us. And so when we tap into that kindness for us, we'll have a capacity to be kind for others. 
so many times, it's the kindness of God which leads me to repentance. Like this is why repentance, bit of a lost art, it's so powerful, church. Because when I repent of places that I've been unkind, places I've been, you know, proud or selfish or lustful, like when I repent there, I'm reminded not of my brokenness, though a bit of that, I'm reminded of his kindness. So when I repent, when I say, God, I failed in this friendship this week, I failed in this devotional practice this week, like when we repent to God, we turn back to him and say, can I experience your kindness again? And he never stops being kind. And then if we experience it, I keep saying this to you, we're meant to live it with others. That's the source for our kindness. is isn't us trying harder. It's us being transformed by his grace, his love, his kindness. Get it? Man, I, there's so many stories I wish I could just sit around a fire and tell you. I'm going to tell you two because I get to. The first one, after we lost this, my son, the church felt hard for a while. God's kindness felt impossible to see. You get it. Those of you suffering from grief or loss on this stream, oh man, the kindness of God feels really far when your heart is ripped out of your chest, but it never fails. It just often feels like it's going to take a while before you can experience it again. And God's always patient with us too. He's never rushing us to remember kindness. No, he just wants to be patient with us when we're broken. So we had returned to church and I used to sit in the back of this building and the worship songs would feel hard. And um, in worship one day, it, we were singing, oh, I wish I could, I would sing you the song. I can't remember the song. We were singing this incredible worship song. And as I started to sing the song, it felt like I had this moment where it was like a visitation with the Lord where God started to reveal and remind me of moments of kindness in my life where he had been kind to me when I'd been far from him, when I'd been stuck in seasons of sin or whatever. And this was even as a believer. And God just took me through a slideshow where he was kind. And it, it changed me. It moved me a little bit from being stuck entirely in grief to just saying, I'm ready to start to, to, to move into this next phase of my life. It was the kindness of the Lord and being reminded that he had never stopped being faithful even when we lost our son that led me to repentance. The final story I want to tell you is this. What happened with that kindness experiment? What happened with that 14, 15-year-old freshman in high school in 1990 in Capitol High School, West Olympia, that realized he wasn't a very kind person lost the election to Nick Herring, who heard from this guy, Josh, that I wasn't a very nice person because I judged him for smoking cigarettes after school. And, and my mentor is saying, just one person a day, one person a day. Well, 1,400 and some students at Capitol High School, one a day. I, I took the challenge pretty serious. I must have missed days, probably weeks. But I really did try every day to just be kind to one person. And by the end of high school, my senior year, it was a good year. 
like there was just markers of like goodness where I felt like I was experiencing what it meant to be kind to other people. And I told you my journey to kindness and my search for Jesus were, were different, but they were like similar. I gave my life to Christ then right at the beginning of my senior year. And that became just even more fuel for this kind of kindness experiment. And I graduated and just was so thankful for that last year, really feeling like, you know, I've done my part to be a good person in school and be kind and kind of head into the world. And it was graduation day, St. Martin's College, me and all my buddies and the people. And, you know, it's this kind of wild scene. And afterwards, everyone's capping, gowning and celebrating and taking pictures like with cameras, with film. This was a long time ago. And this guy came through the crowd. His name was Scott. And he, hey, he's looking for me. Hey, hey. He was a younger kid, didn't spend a lot of time with him. But I knew him. We'd been in student government and different things. He's like, hey, I just need to tell you something. I was like, what is it? It's like, you were really kind to me. You were nice to me. I'm like, yeah, well, hey, you know, yeah, hey, you know, whatever. He's like, no. Like, that changed me. And I went searching for what it was that you experienced. And I also have become a Christian because some of the ways that you treated me. And that was the most significant accomplishment of my senior year, just to know that the kindness leads to repentance. And we're not out being kind, trying to get people to run through a crowd and tap us on the shoulder. I'm not saying that. But when we experience the kindness of the Lord, we'll have a fuel to be kindness culture makers, to start to change the world around us day by day, maybe one person a day. That's our mission. It's a challenging word. It's a good word for us as we, see, as we seek to bring this fruit of the Spirit to life in us. Thanks for tuning in. Let me pray for us and we'll continue in song. Jesus, thank you so much for the series. Thank you for these good words that you've given us in Galatians 5. And we just pray that this message blesses and encourage even one person today, one person that needs to be reminded of your radical kindness for them that you've never ran out on them, that you've been kind all the days of their lives in in a loving kindness type way. And God, would you move us as your disciples? Would you move us as the women and men of faith trying to be more and more and more in love with you and changed by you? Would you allow us, God, in your kindness to be kindness culture makers, to be actually be interruptible, to be doing acts of service, to be trying to every day just trying to love one person you put in front of us in order that the world would see your grace and your love and your kindness coming to bear in us we love you jesus thank you for this time in your name we pray amen